Nice to be back here again. And this time, not have to worry about the management. <laughs> so, uh, I'll talk about, uh, look at four verses from the Bhagavad Gita. These are the uh, so called, uh, uh, people call them the Chatur Shoki Bhagavad Gita, the four essential verses of Bhagavad Gita. So they're well known. But I just happened to be looking at Bhagavad Gita the other day and I looked at these verses again and I noticed something about them I'd never noticed before. And it kind of made me, gave me a new insight into them. I had never heard this before, but it's true. The verses I'm talking about are in the 10th chapter, uh, 8, 9, 10, and 11. Chapter Shloki, four, four verses. Uh, you know, there's this Chapter Shloki Bhagavatam, there's four verses and it's supposed to be the set essence of Bhagavatam. So somebody, I don't know when it happened, but they said this is the, the essential four verses of Bhagavad Gita. And uh, in, this, in this text, uh, Krishna is the uh, 10th chapter, the opulence of the Absolute, and Krishna is just describing what his position is as the uh, Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, and uh, then in text 7 he says, these are his vibhutis, his opulences, one who's factually convinced of his opulence and mystic power of mind engages in unalloyed devotional service of this there is no doubt. And then there are these four uh, verses. And the interesting thing which I have never noticed before is that the first two of these devotees are, uh, the first two of these verses, excuse me, are about the devotee's attitude toward Krishna. And then the uh, the second, uh, the, uh, the third, uh, the, the, the last two verses are about Krishna's action back on the devotees. So it's how the devotees approach Krishna and then how Krishna responds to the devotees. It's very interesting. I just have never noticed that before. Uh, uh, because at first you think Krishna's talking about himself. Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo, text 8. Mata Sarvam Prabhartate. I am the source of generation of everything. Prabhupada translates it as all everything. He spells out all material and spiritual realms. Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo. Mata Sarvam Prabhartate. And from me, uh, everything comes. Sarvasha is repeated twice. So, 
uh, I am the generating source. And then he basically says the same thing again. <laughs> From me all these things come. But the verse is not about him because he says, Iti matva, knowing this, knowing this, bhajante imam, they uh, worship me. So it's about the devotees. They know this now. What he's just explained, his position, he's the source of everything, everything comes from him. Those who know this, bhajante imam, they, they become devoted to me. Buddha Bhava Samanvita. These people who know this, they're called Buddha, wise, like the name of the of Buddha, Lord Buddha. So here the, the people means one who's, who has buddhi intelligence. It's interesting that here this this word, uh, which is uh, from the same root uh, as buddhi. Buddha, because that the last two verses are about Buddhi also. So those people who are Buddha uh, wise, uh, the wise who perfectly know this, Ittimatva, uh, thus they 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 know this, uh, engage in my devotional service and worship me with all their hearts. It's Bhava Samanvita, great attention, with, uh, uh, they, they become Bhajante Imam, they, they worship me, they become devoted, and this is with, with great attention. So this is about the devotees, we've all really understood who Krishna is, and so this is their uh, way of uh, thinking about him. Uh, and uh, uh, Prabhupada's purport is mostly about Krishna, amplifying again how, how uh, what Krishna's uh, position is, uh, and quoting many sources from the Vedas, uh, confirming that Krishna is, in Prabhupada's very interesting phrase, supreme personality of Godhead. That's, that's quite a, quite a, a great uh, uh, formulation, uh, because you can say uh, Godhead, this English word Godhead is actually was transferred into the English language from the German Gottheit uh, sometime in the late Middle Ages or something, and, uh, and it starts to be used as a kind of uh, expression just meaning divinity in general. Uh, so Prabhupada's a, 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 Godhood, uh, the supreme personality of Godhead. So Godhood means uh, Brahman, Paramatma, Bhagavan. The whole thing. <laughs> the three three aspects of transcendence. Brahmati, Paramatma, Bhagavan, This is the, this is the totality. So he uses this word Godhead to refer to this totality uh, of uh, of the. Uh, three aspects of uh, uh, the Supreme Lord. Uh, but then, personality of Godhead. Now, that refers to this uh, Paramatma and, and Brahmana, and, and Bhagavan. Now, Paramatma is just 
a partial representation of the personality of Godhead. Paramatma means this is Krishna, but only in so far as he is dealing with the material world. And actually that's as far as most people think God goes. Uh, when, when I was a child, uh, and I used to go to, my parents would send me to church every Sunday. Uh, sometimes they would stay at home, but they knew sure. <laughs> we went. Uh, and they went a lot too, but anyway, they, we'd have this Sunday school for the children and it's, uh, during the church service. And, and so I was learning about God. And uh, I, I was struck by the idea that they were talking about how God is all powerful. He has so much power that everything is easy for him. And then I realized, thinking about all-powerful, that meant that if God was all-powerful, then the whole business of making and creating the world and running it, he could do with this the tip of his little finger. And therefore, it wasn't a problem for him. He didn't have to worry about it. He should do it easily. So then I said, well, then God must be bored. So I asked people, I said, look, what does God do? I mean, since this is not this big, a big problem for him, what, what's going on? What, what does he do with his time? And the, the, I asked two or three ministers and Sunday school teachers, you know, and I just never thought of it before. They didn't know. And, uh, and they were just never thought so I thought that you know God must be bored, and that that explained what church was like because you would go there and you sort of have to get a taste for being bored. <laughs> Maybe that's what could have could have go be with God was just a long time like just sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> so that but that's because they only had the idea of paramatma. So the actual. When you actually get to the full personality of Godhead, that is the Lord as He's dealing with His spiritual potency, not just His material potency, but the spiritual potency. There's, as Prabhupada says, there's another nature. And in that nature, there you really see the personality of Godhead. But then we know that because that personality of Godhead sustains all kinds of different relationships with all kinds of different people. He has different facets of himself, different aspects of himself. Uh, just like when we have different relationships, we change our dress, we change our formal dress, or relaxed dress, we're, we're one kind of person with our family and friends, we're another kind of person at work, we, we change according to different relationships. Of course, we do it sequentially, one after another. Krishna does it all at the same time. And so he has all these different personalities of Godhead. But of those personalities of Godhead, the Supreme One is Krishna in Vrindavan. As, as Narayan, his, his thing that's predominant is his majesty. 
And the majesty is, is fantastic. It's definitely attractive. But you know, you have to stand back and, like this, at a distance. It's a little, little, it's a little overwhelming. And you're, you're very conscious that God is great and I'm very tiny. So you keep, a, you keep your distance, respectful distance. But Krishna wants intimate relationships. So he, he turns down the majesty dial and turns up the, 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 uh, the, the, the dial of sweetness, of Madhurya. Uh, and then he makes it so the devotees kind of forget he's God. Well, they know he's God, but that's something he does. Or that's that. But here's our Krishna. He's our village boy with his bare feet and his dirty knees and all those things like that. You know, that's his sweetness. His overpowers his majesty. That's the supreme personality of God. So I don't know anywhere. I before I became a devotee, I I, I spent. Uh, you know, quite a few years uh, studying religions. I have a PhD in religious studies, and I've looked at all kinds of different religions, and I never found anything like this anywhere. So this this is how you appreciate Krishna. You know, this this is what we're talking about. Most people's idea of God is so tiny and so small. But here's the full thing. Yeah, people have encountered Brahman, and that impersonal Brahman is there. It's not, not that God isn't impersonal, he has his impersonal aspect. But if you say he's not a person, uh, just energy, as they say, just energy, then you've limited him. Why can't he be a person? I'm a person. But if God is like electricity, is it like something I use? So, yeah. Yeah, obviously he has to be a person. But to be a person, they say, no, no, that's a limitation. You know, if you're a person, you're, you're this, and you're not that, and that there's a border, there's a limit, but God is unlimited, so how can he be a, an individual? Well, he has got many, many personalities. He's not limited that way. And besides that, there's Krishna and Krishna's energy. So the energy is also Krishna in another form. Krishna's, Krishna's spiritual energy and his material energy, they're also Krishna. And so Lord Chaitanya came to the best formulation of this, of Achincha Veda Veda Sattva. Uh, tell me about the relationship between Krishna and Krishna's energies. Uh, and Prabhupada puts it this way, nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. This is in the last purport of Bhagavad Gita, modified it a little bit. That's what he says, nothing is different from Krishna, yet Krishna is different from everything. Or as he says in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's nothing but Sri Krishna, yet nothing is Sri Krishna save and accept his own primordial personality. There it is. Just memorize those sentences and say them all the time. <laughs> it's like, a, like the Zen, you know, you repeat this koan or something. Uh, uh, so, so really, if you say God is uh, 
uh, not a person, then you've limited him. Uh, but you think he'd be a limit, being a person would be a limitation? No, there's so many persons. You say Krishna is limited because he's black? Well, there's a green Krishna and there's you know, a rainbow coalition all by himself. Uh, so this is, this is the understanding that, of just, just how, how, wonderful, how wonderful Krishna is. So we should know that. That from which everything comes. Uh, there's so, many, so much variety in this world. Krishna obviously loves it. Again, you, uh, uh, this acincha beta beta tattva, this unity and variety together. Like in, in the realm of aesthetics, if you have nothing but unity, then it's boring. Like one of these paintings is just a solid red color, you just look at it with nothing happening, you know? So, so just, 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 just oneness is monotony. And just variety is chaos. But really beauty is when you have unity and variety together. Somehow there's many different things and the, the unity pulls them all together in some wonderful way. And, and the, the, the greater the variety, the more valuable the unity. So Krishna pulls this off. But we, we should know this about him. We should, we, should, we should know this is what's there. So this is what the devotees understand about Krishna, the source of all the spiritual and material worlds, and the spiritual world. So there's a lot there. I mean, we haven't seen very much even. Just what we can see around us is beyond our comprehension. You start, you start looking in the material nature, and you get fascinated by it. People, scientists, they take one little thing of material nature and it's so fascinating. There's a famous uh, biologist at Harvard, E.O. Wilson, who spent his life studying ants. And there's a book, you know, his Magnus Opus, like, about ants, this stick. And he's exhaustively studied ants, his whole life, ants. And he says, I just began to touch the beginning of this subject because ants are so amazing. If you get into anything and you look at it, the material world, it's so amazing. But when actually Prabhupada came to Philadelphia in 1975, and he, we had Bhakti Swarup there, and we had some talks with him, and one of his lectures was following up on the top. And he, he described the scientists, material scientists, uh, who have this material body and this material world. And, but it's here for the human body is meant for self-realization. But they're like somebody who's been given a wonderful automobile to go on a journey. And, and they're, 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 they're driving along and they're, you know, this is a great car, this is really amazing automobile. And they pull over to the side of the road and uh, start looking at it and taking it apart and fascinated with the automobile and they never take the journey. So that's like material science. I, I, I understand the interest. The fact that the world is such that if you can just, whatever you pay attention to becomes amazing. If you can somehow, whether somehow some people can pay attention to rocks, you know, that's like a whole amazing world. And they, 
answered. You know. And you could just go on for many, many births that way. You never take the journey. But the, what you really think is, if this is amazing, how much more amazing is that from which it came? So, this is what the devotees understand. Of course, people are, again, they're trying to make it sound reasonable that everything comes from nothing. That's the, that's the modern consensus. Somehow we got to make people believe that all of this happened just popped out of the, the void. Maybe we can put it over a long period of time and make it seem reasonable, but it just doesn't work. When I was uh, a, a new devotee, I was still in graduate school, and, and uh, Prabhupada wanted me to continue uh, and to get a PhD. The devotees told me we should quit. They, they showed me where Prabhupada wrote that their modern educational institutions are the slaughterhouse of the young. You should quit. I thought, well, I already put some three years, four years into it. I asked the temple president to inquire for Prabhupada what I should do, and he said back, if he goes back, or, or, or that, no, you should get a PhD. And the devotees couldn't believe it. And they said, then they figured out, oh, he's just telling you that because you're attached. Because <laughs> then there was, the, you know, everybody should drop out of society, you know, the, the sort of uh, counterculture, hippie mentality. So then I asked Prabhupada if he had some idea of what some suggestion I could write a PhD, a dissertation on. And he said, well, if you want, you can try and defeat Dharma. And then I went into shock. Uh, there, of course, I thought, well, yeah, of course, if Krishna is the source of everything, Darwin is wrong. But, uh, but uh, how would you defeat him? I couldn't imagine. And I was a little shocked, too, because I grew up in my childhood also among these kind of, uh, in Oklahoma and Texas in the United States, is the seedbed of uh, this kind of fundamentalist Christianity. And I did not like those people at all. And so I didn't want to, I thought, is that we have to become like uh, the, those people? Uh, I was a little worried. Uh, but then I get it, Darwin is wrong. It's, it's, it's fact. How could you show it? And then there showed up in, in my temple uh, this devotee who had just gotten initiated named Sadaputta, who had just finished getting a doctorate in mathematics from, from Cornell University. He's a mathematician, and I showed him the letter I got from Prabhupada. I said, could you, you would you know how it's possible to defeat Darwin? And this is what he said to me. He says, yeah, he says, no, Darwin's wrong. He says, oh, yeah, you can show it by mathematics. He says, I, I knew Darwin was wrong even before I became a devotee. And then he said, in fact, most mathematicians know he's wrong. They just don't say anything because it upsets the biologists so much. <laughs> that's, what he, that's, that's what he told me. I was very relieved. <laughs> And then later, some of the arguments he gave me, he published in different books like, like, like that. So this, this, this thing is, is really, uh, it, it is a fact and, and, and that, that Darwin is wrong. And it is a fact that many people who are scientists know it. The trouble is, if you say it, you lose your job. You won't get promoted. You're whatever. 
know, that's, that's, that's the, because it's now in a cultural war. Because people think, at least in America, they think either Darwin is right or you have to accept Jesus in your heart as your personal savior. That's the only thing with two alternatives, something like that. So anyway, everything comes from Krishna. The cause is whatever, we are persons, God is a person, everything is there in Krishna. We know that. And so these devotees who know this, he continues with, Machitta makita prana bodayanta parasparam kanteyaschatamam nityam tusham ticha ramam ticha. These devotees, machitta, uh, their minds are fixed on me. Because now they're fascinated with Krishna. Very interested in Krishna. Uh, Prabhupada translates, the thoughts of my pure devotees dwell in me. In Sanskrit it's just two words, Matkita. Matkita prana. And they've given their prana, their life force, to me. Their life force is gone to me. Their lives are fully dedicated to my service, Prabhupada uh, translated. And Kantiyasyatamamnityam and the, uh, by perpetual nityam, always or perpetually talking about me, parasparam, with each other, uh, 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 then they tushanticha ramanticham, they, they, they become very satisfied and they enjoy transcendental bliss. This is what the devotees do. This is their, uh, they understand Krishna's glory and this is how they act. So for one is their understanding of Krishna, and then this is their behavior, that they uh, are fascinated with Krishna and they just never can stop talking about him. And they, when they do it, when they sit and talk about how wonderful Krishna is, they all, everybody becomes happier and happier and happier. And as of course you talk about Krishna, Krishna becomes more and more manifest because Krishna and Krishna's name are the same, Krishna and Krishna's descriptions are the same. And you have to remember something about love of God. It has no upper limit. It always goes. It always high. Because there's a, there's a dynamic relationship always with Krishna and the devotees. And there, Prabhupada has explained this actually. I was there, he, he, we, we were in New Vrindavan and it was John Nostomy, and Prabhupada wa, was looking at Radha and Krishna on the altar. And, and he, he, says, he, he said that, 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 that uh, Radha looks at Krishna and she sees how beautiful Krishna is. And when she sees how beautiful Krishna is, uh, she becomes more uh, gladdened. Her, her happiness increases. And when her happiness increases, her beauty increases. Now, this is, of course, it's true, anybody looks better when they're happy. Uh, but, uh, uh, but on the other hand, there's kind of a limit because our mind is one thing and our gross body is another thing. So, so you, you know, you, 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 there's a limit. You know, you can be really happy and you're, you only look so good on the outside. Uh, 
But with the spiritual body, there's no difference between the mind and the body, the body and the soul. So whatever is there in the, in the mind, like happiness, yeah, it'll be shown. Show. So her beauty increases. And then when Krishna sees that Radharani has become more beautiful, his happiness increases and his beauty increases, then Radha sees that Krishna has become even more beautiful, then her joy increases and her beauty increases, and so on it goes, he said, without ever stopping. This is, this is what's, uh, what's happening. Uh, so all these things are going on and there's just no upper uh, limit to that. And devotees become part of it. We contribute to this. We have a contribution to make. Why does Krishna want us? We're here in the material world. Why in the material world? Because <laughs> we've just uh, turned away. Just all the gifts are there, and we still think we want to go to the horse races or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so. But Krishna wants us back because everyone's unique and everybody has something to contribute to this party. Uh, we, we, we can join in. So these are the devotees. So here, this is the way the devotees are. So then Krishna, when the devotees are becoming like this, and, you know, just maybe even in the beginning, he says, Tesham satata yuktanam bhajatam prithipurvakam dadami bhuvyogatam yinamam upayantite To them, so he's saying, this is what I do, unto them, uh, who are satata yuktanam uh, bhajatam, always engaged in my bhajan, uh, 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 or devotional service. They're serving me in this way. Prithipurvakam. Uh, when they are full of, uh, of love, uh, then he says, so they, it sounds like he's, the, the devotees are being described, but then actually this is the beginning. The Dami Buddhi Yoga I give them the Buddhi Yoga, the intelligence, this is this intelligence uh, by which they can come to me. When they want now to come to me, I point the way. I give them direction. Uh, you may you may notice in this Bhagavad Gita that, and even in the purport to this this verse, uh, Buddhi Yoga for Prabhupada is synonymous with Bhakti Yoga. But but Buddhi, uh, Prabhupada describes in the in the Bhagavatam. Uh, in 2.235, he describes buddhi as the form, direction of the super-soul. Uh, that is, the, he uses this form, hyphen, direction. The form, direction of the super-soul. It's the form, it's, it's, when, we, when we have buddhi uh, is what links the individual soul to the supreme soul. The way the, way, the, way the super-soul comes to us is through buddhi. So there, there, people don't, there's very little knowledge about, about buddhi in Western thinking. Because remember our subtle body is manas, that buddhi, that ahankara. Uh, uh, so this, this, this buddhi 
The real function of buddhi is it, it gives direction. And buddhi is the uh, faculty for the placement of faith, either correct or incorrect. Because everything we do is based on faith. Somewhere you begin anywhere, there's some faith. If you have a, if you're a logician and, and you have a logical argument, you'll discover that uh, if it's a deductive argument, what that means that if the premises are true, then it's sure and certain the conclusion is true. How do you know the premises are true? Well, it's faith. And then if you want to back that up, maybe you have another logical argument, but that argument also has premises. And that argument has some, so somewhere you start to accept something is true. We accept it. I was uh, reading an academic work, a, a book by, by scholars of Hinduism, and it was called Understanding Mantras. Collection of essays, understanding mantras. And in the introduction, the professor says, the teacher says, he says that the study of mantras presents a problem to the modern scholar. We accept the Enlightenment consensus. We do not believe in magic. Most of us do not pray. <laughs> so notice we accept the Enlightenment consensus. In other words, the 18th century so-called enlightenment of Clermont, where, you know, everybody decided we're going to take the whole heritage of the human race and dump it in superstition, and now we're only going to believe what we can prove by science and observation. How do, how do you say that's the, how do you know that's the right thing to do? Where's the proof that that will work? That's an act of faith. It's an act of faith. Actually, we're it's starting to blow up on us now, so we're, we're, we're seeing that. And the idea that there might be a, 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 a science, a spiritual science, just doesn't occur to people. So we'll, you know, enlightenment uh, meant that, you know, Newton had some laws and it looked like you could uh, explain everything in terms of numbers and it's useful, so let's make that the key to all and everything and so on. And let's throw out all the superstition, everything in the past, God's God, all that stuff. You see, we accept the Enlightenment consensus. Believe me, that's an act of faith. How do you know it's the right thing to do? Well, you can give an argument for it, but it usually presupposes your conclusion anyway. Well, we make material progress. Well, is that a good thing? Are you sure about that? Anyway, it's an act of faith. So we accept the Enlightenment consensus. It's like believing in Darwin. If you want to keep your job, you better accept it. Then you're, you're in trouble. You, uh, so this is the devotees. They, they, the buddhi is directed toward Krishna. You want to come toward Krishna, then Krishna says he makes you. Like, of course, he says this later, you know, in the Bhagavad Gita in Sarvasya Chaham Rudisani Visto, he's describing himself as 1515. I'm situated uh, in everyone's heart, Mantasmiti Jnana Apopanam Shah. 
From me comes remembrance, that is, remembering Krishna, and apohana, which is translated here as, uh, as forgetfulness. Uh, but actually, apohana really means pushing away. If you want to remember Krishna, he gives you the power to remember him. If you want to forget him, that buddhi, Krishna works it so we can forget him. In a way, it's our decision. So to believe, to surrender to Krishna is faith. Not to surrender to Krishna is faith. Both are acts of faith. Which is the right one? That's what the Bhagavad Gita is telling us how, how, how to do this correctly. Because so then he says, once you once you make this step toward Krishna, you show that we have an interest that we want him to come. Uh, before I became a devotee, I was became understanding that somehow in, in our uh, life. I wanted to believe in God, and I was praying to a God I didn't believe in to give me the faith to believe in it. I said, this is crazy, but that's, that's what I was doing. So, sometimes it's like that. And then things began to happen. So if we want to come to Him, uh, uh, so I give the understanding by which they come to me. Uh, and then, Tesham evanukam partam aham agyana jam tamaha nashyam yatma bhavalashto jnana dhena basata to show them special mercy, he says, for them. Uh, anukampa artam to show them this mercy. Uh, uh, I nashyami uh, uh, Nashi, excuse me, Nashiyami, I destroy uh, the tamaha, uh, the darkness, agyana jam, born of ignorance, uh, uh, atma bhava sta, situated within their hearts, atma bhava sta, jnana vasvatata. I do this with the glowing light of knowledge, it lights up inside. So, that's what, so here's what the devotees, how the, the devotees behave, and this is how Krishna behaves back uh, toward us. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, this is, uh, and interesting, having just, this is where it describes, uh, describes this, and, and uh, then uh, Arjuna's response is, Param Brahma, Param Dhamma, Pavitram, Paramam Bhava, this big uh, outpouring of you are the supreme Brahman, you are the supreme abode, the purest, the absolute. Uh, all the uh, sages have said this, now you're saying it to me himself. Uh, uh, and he says, you're declaring it to me. Uh, uh, then the next verse, I accept everything you say is true. Like he sees it. It's not just a matter of, you know, I, okay, it's true. I, he, he sees it. You said it, and now I can see it. And this is before, you know, in the, in, 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 in the next chapter, uh, 
we have the uh, universal form, uh, which which uh, he shows uh, later. But Arjuna didn't need it to be convinced of anything. He he already was. This is where he actually accepts Krishna completely as the supreme personality of Godhead. So this is what this is a these are very nice nice four verses which summarize very nicely the, the process of Krishna consciousness and uh, uh, and it's a beautiful reciprocation between devotees and and Krishna uh, so that so that as we advance in Krishna consciousness uh, the sign of that advancement is how Krishna begins to work in our lives as a tangible reality, not as some theoretical thing that happens. And when that happens, when, when, when we begin to see Krishna, that, that Buddha Yoga comes in uh, uh, and, and gives guidance, uh, your, your confidence in Krishna increases, uh, and he then, and Prabhupada Sahira makes all arrangements uh, for the devotee's uh, spiritual advancement uh, and doesn't have to, uh, the devotee doesn't have to worry. Prabhupada says here, uh, I think it's in this, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll just read, I'll read his final paragraph of the purport to. Uh, uh, the last of these four verses, he says, Due to the contamination of material association through many, many millions of births, one's heart is always covered with the dust of materialism. But when one engages in devotional service and constantly chants Hare Krishna, the dust quickly clears and one is elevated to the platform of pure knowledge. The ultimate goal, Vishnu, can be attained only by this chant and by devotional service and not by mental speculation or argument. The pure devotee, then he goes on to say this, the pure devotee yeah, does not have to worry about the material necessities of life. He need not be anxious because when he removes the darkness from his heart, everything is provided automatically by the Supreme Lord, who is pleased by the loving devotional service of the Lord. This is the essence of the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. By studying Bhagavad Gita, one can become a soul completely surrendered to the Supreme Lord and engage himself in pure devotional service. As the Lord takes charge, so he's there ready to take charge. What we have to get out of our way is our false ego. <laughs> and that gives Krishna room to work. As long as the, the false ego is there, I'm the joy or I'm the control. Then he, then he, you know, so we just make ourselves small. And then Krishna uses us. As the Lord takes charge, one becomes completely free from all kinds of materialistic endeavors. One thing, uh, just uh, let me conclude now, is that uh, that Prabhupada 
I've just finished a study of Srila Prabhupada as founder Acharya, it's published in a little book by the GBC. And uh, in that, it, it, Prabhupada um, says, uh, my research of Prabhupada, you know, the, the, the uh, Gaudiya Math sent preachers into Europe in 1933. And the whole, all the resources of that Math were behind it. Uh, they, they published a book, Sri Krishna Chaitanya, which they must have spent a fortune on because I got a hold of one of the original copies of this English language book that the preachers brought to, brought to England. And uh, the first class paper, first class binding, you know, somebody, you know, the editing was done so carefully, there's not a misspelled word or a typographical error, you know, they wanted to make an impression. Uh, and obviously a huge amounts of resources of time and money of the whole Bodhiyamat were putting, put into that. Their whole focus of the whole institution was in sending their, 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 their crowning achievement was to go to, go to the West. The, 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 this fabulous marble temple, uh, the Bodhiyamat in Calcutta, that was their headquarters for world preaching. Again, because Calcutta was a world city until 1914, it had been the headquarters of the British Raj in the East. They did all this for, for this preaching. All these resources were just all put in there. Uh, uh, and uh, so Prabhupada says, when, when, when that, that all fell apart, and Prabhupada having an order from his spiritual master to preach in English and then go to the West, he sort of had to do it all by himself. And he did what they did. In 1927, they started, they, they took the Sajjana Toshini and turned it to the English language, the Harmonist. They had a magazine came out uh, eventually uh, twice a month uh, uh, in English because they were preparing for world preaching. They started this in 1927. Yeah. So they were getting ready. So Prabhupada, he starts back to Godhead. And he's all by himself. Because the Gaudiya Mata, after Bhaktisiddhanta left, it, it fell into competing parts, and people got more interested in fighting with each other, and they, they lost their the unified energy, and so it was, nobody was doing anything. So Prabhupada starts back to Godhead and kind of had to scrounge out for the money and do it himself. But he said he was, he was, he was of course, doing, he was a householder, he was doing business. And he told us, because uh, I thought I would have to get money to go to the West. And so he was doing that, and then his Bhagavad, he also he was making a book to go, by himself, the first three volumes of Bhagavatam, he did all alone, cheap, cheap paper, cheap bindings, you know, like a one-man job, you know, no resources, but he was trying. And so that was, that was why he was doing business, so he would have some money. And then he said, but Krishna made me a business failure. And so he said, Krishna made me a business failure. I, I asked by the way, he, 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 his business was, he was, distributing pharmaceuticals. Uh, and he maintained his house, but the other, uh, his household, but then he wanted to do this. Uh, I asked Bhakti Chuswami, do you know why this, he had 
didn't have much success in business and, and uh, Dr. Chuswami told me that, well Prabhupada, uh, because he was a distributor, different um, uh, of his customers, uh, uh, drugstores, pharmacies, apotheque, uh, they, they would get his stuff and then they're supposed to pay him later and they would get behind in their payments but he wasn't like cruel enough, he was too merciful to be a good businessman, he said. So all these, all these, his customers owed him lots of money. Uh, and that was what he told me, uh, anyway. Uh, so I think Krishna made me a business failure. So that when, when Prabhupada came to the West, he had no resources. What even money he had or had access to, the Indian government wouldn't take it out. So he had 40 rupees, which at that time was worth $7. Now it's not even a dollar, but in those days it was seven dollars. He had forty rupees. He was he was all by himself. He had no institutional support. He kept trying to get his godbrothers to work with him and to work together, but it didn't happen. There's a very sad history there. Uh, he had he had no money, no institutional support. He. Was, had his 70th birthday on this ship, so he didn't have youthful energy and vigor, you know? I mean, it was, you know. I'm just about that age now, and I can understand just exactly <laughs> And he didn't have good health. He had heart attacks on the way over. Now, so what were his resources? Yet it came out successful, because he didn't need the money. He, Krishna made, he just showed up to do Krishna's service and Krishna made all, all the arrangements. So this is, this is when he writes like this, Krishna will do everything you don't have to worry about. He's also speaking from his own experience that all the facilities were suddenly there. Uh, uh, so so that's, uh, that's why he can speak with uh, extra conviction because, because he's seen it work. Okay, we should stop there. Thank you very much. Maybe if there's some question or comment, yes. Thank you for your wonderful lecture. And uh, thank you for the beautiful examples that you gave uh, uh, the loving relationship between uh, Lord Krishna and Radha mm -hmm. and uh, the example of ants and the example of rocks and Automobile and all those things. <laughs> They're from Kamkwad, actually. <laughs> Just repeating. It was a funny thought that uh, everything is an art, and when you burn down the relationship, the love, you know, from the art, if you boil it down to numbers, figures, then it becomes science. Yeah. Is it? Would you would you like to throw some thought on it? Uh, the art and the science, you know. I mean the science that we know of, and uh, the art, the beauty, the love, the relationship yeah. in art. Well, the the, the material the material science, which I mean, what what material science is based on the idea of dealing with the world in so far as it can be expressed in terms of numbers. Mm -hmm. That's useful. There's nothing really wrong with it. Okay. But then, what is it when you say? If it can't be expressed in terms of numbers, it doesn't exist. Now, if that is not worthwhile, it's useless. 
so the big problem that can be expressed in terms of number is consciousness. You know, so they want to get consciousness out of the way because then it's a, 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 you know, a spanner in the works. It spoils the whole thing. So that's the problem. So as far as a tool, there's no, no difficulty with it. But when it has to be the key to all and everything, then, then, it, beco then, it, then it becomes uh, uh, false religion. So this, that, that, that science is, is fine. But there is another science, the science of the spirit, the science of consciousness. Science because here's a procedure and you follow this and you have the results. You can see it for yourself. And that, that's what this Bhagavad Gita is about. So Prabhupada uses science, it translates the Sanskrit word vidyana, which means direct experience knowledge. But the first of all, you, you have to at least come to the sattva guna, the mode of goodness. Then in mode of goodness you can make further progress. But people are not trained in mode of goodness. We are our idea of material advancement is the mode of passion. It used to be mode of goodness was considered advancement, now it's mode of passion. So then people say, where's God? I don't see him. That's a problem. Yeah. And um, we say, yeah, it goes always better, you know, no limit, better. Best, but it goes always better, you know. It's getting better, 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 to Krishnadas Kaniraj, and I'm sure it goes back to Rupa Goswami, Santana Goswami. God is always increasing, and there's no upper limit. <laughs> okay. Shri Prabhupada, thank you very much.